What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Sporting Capital with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, it's Monday night, a massive weekend of sport. There'll be so many heroes and so many villains. Looking forward to hearing your nominations. We'll talk Bathurst. And what do we make of Australia's performance in the T20 last night? Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Macca's... Uh, not the Macca's run. It's a sporting capital. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number to call. Uh, 0433 So the Harcourts open line is where you call. You'll move your Harcourts. For all things real estate, speak to Harcourts. For all things sport, Gavin, come and have a chat to me. Uh, 0433 on the 40 Winks temper text. 0433 Whatever you might want to put on the agenda... I'm more than happy for you to do it. Um, the mega trade, if you've just been listening uh, to trade radio throughout the day or you've just tuned in, um, it is as convoluted as a trade as I can remember seeing. It's the first time in history that picks one, two and three have all been traded in the first trade. It's just the second time in history that picks two and three have been traded in the same trade. That happened back in the 2016 draft where the Giants and the Lions uh, swapped around some picks and that was when... Uh, that was when Tim Taranto went pick two and Hugh McCluggage went pick three. So a, a history-making day uh, of trade. Luke Jackson's now a docker. Isaac Rankin is now a crow. Will Setterfield's now a bomber. Toby Bedford's now a giant. Jason Horn francis gets to go home to Port Adelaide. Uh, North Melbourne gave out pick one, uh, a future third. Um, and Jason Horn francis and they got pick two, pick three, 40, 43, a future first-round pick tied to Port Adelaide. Port Adelaide got, uh, gave out pick eight, pick 43, 53, 57, a future first, a future second, and a future third. And they get Jason Horn Francis, Junior Rioli, a future second round pick tied to Collingwood, a future third round pick tied to Frio. West Coast trade out Junior Rioli, pick two, pick 40. They get pick eight, pick 12, a future second tied to Port, a future third tied to Port. Greater Western Sydney unlocked this whole deal when they got involved. They give out picks three, pick 12, future second tied to Collingwood, and they get pick one, 53 and 57. So if you want to talk mega trade, uh, you can absolutely do that, uh, or you can call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 We'll have a little chat about Bathurst. I would love to hear from somebody if you were there. So if you went to the mountain, um, experienced the, the rain, the conditions, the action, um, to see Shane Van Gisbergen get his second... Bathurst Crown um, and Garth Tander get his fifth, equal fourth all time now, Garth Tander. Um, I'd love to hear from you about the experience that you had uh, at Bathurst this week. Um, 
1300 736 736 on the Harcourts open line. You'll move your Harcourts. So you can text in 0433 uh, 98 11 16. So why don't we start where we normally do on a Monday uh, with heroes and villains? And then a hero comes along with the strength to carry on. And you cast your fears aside. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Heroes and villains uh, on a Monday night. Uh, you can call on the Harcourt's open line. You can text in uh, on the Forty Winks temper text. You've got a hero from the weekend in sport. We've had NBL uh, round two. We've had the first round of the A League season. Uh, Australia's first of three games last night. Uh, an eight run loss to England over at Perth Stadium, and the tinkering with the lineup continues there. Uh, you could have a hero and villain from the trade period. You could have a hero and villain from international sport. You could have a hero and villain from AFLW. You could have an inter- a hero and villain from anywhere in the sporting world. I'll roll through a couple uh, of mine. I want to give a hero nomination to Nathan Ellis. Not in the World Cup squad, but got brought in to Australia's lineup last night uh, for the first of their three T20 internationals in the lead-up to the uh, World Cup, which you'll hear every game of right here on SEN. SEN's going to be your home of the 2022 ICC Men's T20 World Cup. So Australia um, leave Cummins, Stark, Hazelwood and Zampa uh, all on the East Coast and they'll rejoin the squad uh, for the second game Wednesday night um, at Marnica Oval in Canberra. Um, so they bring in um, Richardson, they bring in Ellis, they bring in uh, Swepson and they bring in Daniel Sams. Last night... Um, Nathan Ellis, who Darren Chuck Berry uh, is a massive fan of, um, he bowled brilliantly, took three for 20 and four overs when they were being decimated. Uh, he got Butler as well. The next best economy rate for the bowlers was Richardson, who was just under 10. Was just under 10. The Every other bowler went into double figures economy rate. They all copped a pasting the Australian bowling lineup. Um, the run chase would have been their uh, fifth highest ever successful run chase if they had been able to get over the line. But Nathan Ellis was phenomenal, and he's now taken 15 wickets in his last five games. Uh, he's been doing a great job for the Hobart Hurricanes for a long time. Chuckleberry Finn is a massive fan of him, and, and I am too. So he gets a hero nomination because he really did shoulder the load from a bowling point of view uh, last night. I'm going to give a hero nomination to Joss Butler too, the England captain. And it's hard to say that uh, when it comes to the old enemy because you sort of say it through gritted teeth uh, when you're going to give one of the Poms uh, a pump up. But I am going to give a hero nomination to Joss Butler, not only for his innings where his strike rate was um, well over 200, um, the 60-odd off... I think it was about 30-odd that he made. I don't have the score in front of me, but he was brutal. Him and Alex Hales put on 20 boundaries and seven sixes between the two of them. Hales was incredible in his 80-odd that he made. 
Um, back in the lineup, he played all seven of the Pakistan games. It's his first time back in the team since 2019. Um, he and Ben Stokes even went arm in arm in the uh, the anthem uh, before the game, which was interesting, given that uh, Ben Stokes has referred to him as his former friend, Alex Hales, um, since that infamous night in Bristol where Ben Stokes uh, got into the dust-up. He spent the night in jail and Alex Hales, I think, went and played golf uh, the next day, but they're not uh, best of friends anymore. Anyway, I digress. But last night, Matty Wade, that was as clear-cut a case of obstruction that I have ever seen um, in my short time commentating cricket and my long time watching and loving cricket. Top edge up into the bonce and then straight up into the air. The second replay shows Matty look up and see the ball and then sort of staggers down the pitch, all lost looking like he's just trying to find his way home after a big night. And then the arm comes out. It was exactly like when we were kids and you'd do the five-star handball uh, at training to start off your training or to finish up training. And then they always, we always got told by your coach, then you give the handball and then put your arms out to shepherd and get in behind the person that you give the handball to. Matty Wade just executed two of the best bumper bar shepherds <laughs> to deny Mark Wood any... We're remotely resembling access to the pill to try and attempt the court and bold, and even the run out because he'd come back down the pitch. Uh, it was as clear a case of obstruction. And when given the chance to appeal, Josh Butler decided not to and said after the game, we're here for a long time, thought it best that we just let it go and, and keep playing. We actually thought in the commentary that he had appealed because he did spend a fair while speaking to the umpire. So there's a hero nomination there for Josh Butler. Um, that would have been out... That would have been one of the quickest third umpire reviews if they had gone upstairs to get the obstruction call there. So a hero nomination for Joss Butler. Matty Wade, who I love, he was the hero of the semi-final against Pakistan. Three sixes in a row of Shaheen Afridi to put Australia into that T20 World Cup final. So I love Matty Wade. He's a fighter. He's tough, resilient. He saw how much the loss meant to him last night. He was the only one not shaking hands with his teammates, with that duel on the dugout. Uh, on the bench there, uh, he was just sitting there in contemplation of what might have been. Um, but that's a villain nomination, Matty Wade. That's, <laughs> that is blatant obstruction and knew exactly what he was doing. So a villain nomination to uh, Matty Wade, which I hate to say. I don't think I've ever gone a hero to a, one of the Pommy players and then a, a villain to one of the Aussies uh, in the same sentence. Um, I'm going to give a hero nomination to Grace Kim. Um, I was calling the New South Wales Regional Open Series um, earlier this year, and uh, Golf New South Wales were getting people back out to the regions after the, the floods, fires, COVID, you name it, just to kind of trying to get people back into the regional areas. And she played against the men. Um, Daniel Gale won that by a shot against Grace Kim, who had just turned professional. She's been playing on the Epson Tour uh, and has secured her LPGA card uh, and will be a fully-fledged uh, participant in the LPGA next year and is going to be an out-and-out star, is Grace Kim um, an Aussie golfer on the rise. Um, I don't have uh, the audio of this at the moment. I've just got a couple of little issues um, with being able to get uh, audio to play at the minute. So hopefully I can do this before we uh, before we finish up. But if you didn't see the video of Lauren Jackson, the goat, um, if uh, if you didn't see, oh, hang on, here it is. It's just been put up. What am I looking at in front of me? Okay, the whole screen's just changed on me, but here we go. If you didn't see this moment, um, have a listen to this. 
So, look at the GOAT, Lauren Jackson. How's that for a CV? Not that she needed to solidify it, but after what we saw at the recent World Cup and the rose gold vibes of the Opals. What about that last game? Cements her legacy as Australia's greatest basketball player. Look at that standing ovation in World Reserve. 30 plus. Good on Get up, LJ. Come on. There will never be another one like it. Well done by Melbourne United to obviously acknowledge what she's done. But you're right, Brad, that 30 points in your final international game. Just a weapon to throw the ball into the post. You barely miss. And the finish with a bronze medal is, is absolutely incredible. What a career. And a lot of, a lot of young female basketballers would look up to her, and, and rightly so. So there was a break in play for about a minute as the whole crowd just stood up and applauded Lauren Jackson. I thought it was a beautiful moment, so a hero moment, and she eventually stood up uh, as humble a champion as you will see uh, and acknowledged the crowd and, and gave warm applause back. It was just a beautiful moment. It's one of those things you love in sport. You get a little emotional uh, having a look at it, but uh, it was a, a very, very... Um, yeah, very, very beautiful moment. Uh, so well done to the Melbourne United crowd because that was the only thing they had to cheer about uh, for the whole... Uh, contest as they were beaten by 20 points by the Sydney Kings. Uh, it was an absolute touch-up of the highest order. Um, another hero nomination. I'll get to the villains, but if you didn't see Max Grzuski, I'm going to say, who um, was at the uh, AFL Draft Combine over the weekend and decided to pay a little bit of homage and almost channeling John Landy and Ron Clark... Um, Lewis Hayes at stumbled twice in his 2K time trial. And instead of worrying about what time he was going to get home in, um, Max stopped and helped Lewis up and over the line to finish. Um, that's one of the most iconic moments in Australian sport. Uh, John Landy and Ron Clark from the 1956 Australian Championships, I reckon it was. Um, so to see that, that kind of spirit live on, I mean, those guys in that moment are there to, to put their best foot forward, to show all of their athletic prowess, to get the best times, the best results, to, to put themselves up in lights in the recruiter's eyes. And he for, he just waved that away and, 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 and dropped all sense of self-interest and just wanted to help someone out who he saw was struggling. And I wonder whether, and I would be sure that there'd be clubs that have a look at that, and I would think that he might have risen up the ranks in, and in the eyes of recruiters, their estimation, because that's what he would bring to your club and that's what he would bring to your team. So I love that. That's a hero nomination for Max. Uh, well done to you, mate. That's what team sport is all about. Um, and he envisaged, he embodied rather, he embodied that perfectly in that moment. Uh, I mentioned Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander. So there, it's the second win for SVG and the fifth for Tander. Um, he joins Steve Richards um, as equal fourth all-time wins. Um, Garth Tander, his first was in 2000. So 22 years later, um, he has his second. There's been a few of those. Lounsey had a 22-year gap between first and last. Um, Brocky's first, I think, was maybe 24 years before his last. That's still an incredible effort. And I don't know if you saw on the Today Show um, earlier on, um, probably not, but uh, they were doing um, an interview on the Today Show and uh, Shane Van Gisbergen had to just toddle off 
um, maybe to have a Christopher Mew uh, whilst he was doing a live uh, TV interview. So that was uh, quite humorous because clearly he had just over-celebrated the, the night before, perhaps. Uh, by the way, this is Heroes and Villains on the Sporting Capital, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. On the Harcourts open line, your move, your Harcourts, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. A few more hero nominations from me. Hawks have won three in a row in the AFLW. That's pretty darn impressive from a team in their first year. I know that two of those three have been against two other first-year teams as well, but three in a row when you're an expansion side, uh, that's a sensational effort. If you haven't seen Ruby Svark's goal, so I had the pleasure of calling um, the first three seasons of AFLW on Fox footy when I was living in Brisbane, and the first Brisbane Lions home game, Kate McCarthy, who was All-Australian in that first year, had five bounces running uh, through the middle uh, and ran it all the way to the goal line. No one could t- catch her. No one could touch her. Um, robbed of goal of the year, I've got to say. Um, this had me thinking of that moment. It was a little different how it finished, but it started off with Ruby Spark um, taking three bounces off half back, um, hits up the target at right half forward in Greta Brody, uh, Greta Bodie, who sells the candy, gets involved in the candy commerce, steps around her opponent, kicks to the top of the square. square. Spark had actually kept running laid a bone-jarring tackle on right for North Melbourne, gets the holding-the-ball call-free kick and kicks a goal. Incredible individual effort. It'll be shown at every review because not only the, the run and carry and dash off half-back, but then to keep going and be the option inside forward 50, lay the tackle inside forward 50, get the reward and kick the goal. It was, uh, it was highlight reel stuff. It was brilliant. Uh, Melbourne 64-point win over the Dogs in the Hampson-Hardeman Cup is equal parts hero nomination for Melbourne and villain nomination for the Dogs. And I've got to say, hero nomination for the AFLW season. If you're looking at the, the, the ladder, the, the top four teams, um, the top four teams this season are, all just sep- uh, are only separated um, via percentage. So the top four is Brisbane, Adelaide, um, Melbourne and Collingwood. They've all, they're all six and one. Um, but they're only separated by percentage. And then it's two teams who came in in the second wave of AFLW. Geelong have now won more games this year than they have in the past two years combined, uh, and they sit fifth. Richmond are going to go close to equal. If they Their next win of the season, I think, will equal their amount of wins over the last two seasons combined. Uh, and then you've got the Gold Coast Suns in the eight. Um, they're four and three, another one of the second wave teams that, that came in. So um, it doesn't take too long for the wheel to turn. So this AFLW season has been fantastic and, and the evenness of the competition, any one of those four teams uh, could win it and that's a good place to be um, at this stage of the year. Um, you'd have to give your hero nomination to the Giants too because they're killing this trade period and all the business that they're doing at the moment, setting themselves up very, very nicely. Uh, so there's some heroes, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 On the other side of this, Mike, Sean, I'll get some hero nominations for you, from you. Uh, this is the Sporting Capital, SEN. Uh, heroes and villains on a Monday night. Uh, this is some nice stuff uh, off the text. My hero is Chuck Berry for spending four hours with Hitman Hargraves and not giving him a hip and shoulder. Uh, that's from a, a loving fan. Thank you, 492. Notice there's no name attached to that one. There doesn't tend to be uh, with that stuff that comes through. But, yeah, you're 100% right. It's a thrill to be able to spend that time with Chuck, and he does a magnificent job. And maybe he will give me a a hip and shoulder one day. You never know. Uh, Mike's in Geelong with a villain. Uh, Hello, Mike. Uh, G'day, mate. How you going? Good. Who's your villain? Uh, It's actually Draymond Green out of the Golden State Warriors for punching his own teammate. I saw this. um, You don't see it too often. 
Uh, it was uh, crazy to see. Was it James Wiseman that they were at a scrimmage and there was a bit of verbal and Wiseman pushed him and then Draymond just launched and rocked him with a right hook. Is that right? Yeah, I, he... Um, was it Josh Blue? Anyhow, he was... He reckons he was being a little bit arrogant towards him and he didn't like it, but he, he was the full sucker punch that he threw, which was crazy to watch. Yeah. Especially, you don't even see it on against an opposition team, let alone your own team, so it was crazy. So it'll be interesting to see what the fallout will be for Warriors if there's a trade. Well, they haven't. Um, he's taking time away, but they haven't sacked him. I, I'm stunned that they haven't sacked him. Oh, it's going to be a fascinating watch, Mike. Uh, it's a great nomination. Uh, Sean's in Adelaide. G'day, Sean. Hi, Sam. I'm really well. Thanks for asking. You've got a villain for me as well. Yeah, Peter Hanscom yesterday. I'm a Victorian, so I don't particularly care. But um, we was down at uh, Karen Rolton Oval watching the uh, Sheffield Shield yesterday. Yeah. And um, Victoria obviously had the whole day to get South Australia out. Henry Hunt batted all day. It was incredible, wasn't 97 it? 97 not out. Yeah. 97 not out. I think there was three balls left in the day's play, and Pete Hanscom decided, no, that's enough. We'll take the team off, denying Henry Hunt a century. Or a shot at a century. It, it, Sean, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't both captains have to agree to call it off? That's my understanding, and someone will tell me if I'm wrong. I, I'm not uh, as au fait on Sheffield Shield rules today as maybe I once was as a youngster, but I thought that both captains had to agree to that. So wouldn't a Villa nomination be to the uh, South Australian captain as well? well could, could be to Travis Head, but he was obviously not out in the Senate, so yeah. Henry Hunt, I guess, had to, had to suck it off and walked off, and you could tell he wasn't happy. He's, um, yeah, he said, uh, at I the end of the day, I just wanted to get off the field and have a beer. Um, he said, hopefully yeah. I can score a bit quicker in the next game. Uh, but I thought, anyway, look, I mean, it just keeps that interstate rivalry alive. It does. It does. Mate, are you hanging in there over there, being uh, a Victorian in amongst the South Australian Territory? Um, heroes and villains. Hey, we're going to speak uh, all things Bathurst uh, in just a moment. So looking forward to doing that. Stick around. This is the Sporting Capital. Uh, Welcome back or to the Sporting Capital, whichever category you best fit into. Either way, it's wonderful to have you on board. And at any stage you wanted to have a chat about anything in the world of sport, you can do so on the Harcourt's open line, 1300 736 736, or you can text me on the 40 Winks Temper text, 0433 98 11 16 on the 40 Winks Temper text. Uh, Consumer's Choice winner, temper mattresses, pillows and adjustable bases conforms to the exact shape uh, of your uh, body. Uh, let's talk Bathurst. Weather, rain and mud. It's farewell Holt and hello Shane Van Gisbergen, the winner of the Redcoat Bathurst 1000. Uh, incredible performance from Kiwi Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander. Second time uh, Shane Van Gisbergen has claimed uh, the King of the Mountain crown and the fifth time for Garth Tander, now equal fourth all time. He joined Steve Richards in having five Bathurst wins, uh, a man who was there and all across the goings-on. Uh, he's a, a motorsports aficionado. He literally wrote the book uh, on Scott McLaughlin. Uh, the book is Road to Redemption. Uh, Timmy Hodges has been good enough to jump on with us. Tim, hello to you. Uh, g'day, Sammy. Nice to be with you. Uh, wonderful to chat to you. So uh, just talk us through, I mean, what 
I, I was I do heroes and villains on a on a Monday night, and I haven't done my villains yet. But the uh, Mother Nature is going to be one for just <laughs> subjecting the people of New South Wales to more uh, damage and devastation with those floods. But you were there uh, over the weekend. What was it like with the conditions um, at the mountain? Uh, I tell you, you could hear the thirty to thirty-five thousand race fans who were camping uh, inside the racetrack and up across the mountain. It was. Um, Look, we've all seen rain, but I've never seen the amount of rain that, that Mount Panorama and Bathurst and Sydney and New South Wales, like the flood warnings across Sydney all weekend were were out of control. They warned us all week that the rain coming Saturday was going to be monsoonal and by golly, when it hit, you know, there was no chance of any any action on, on the track. But just those race fans, to, to camp in mud, like to... You know, God, can you try and imagine what the state of the the toilet blocks and the shower blocks oh, were dear. when people were just were going for toilet breaks and um, showers and just walking back to their campsite through absolute mud? Like it was just, it was hideous. But it's a labour of love. For, and I always say to people, put it on your bucket list to get to a Bathurst 1000. All, all sports fans, because it is something to see. It's, it's so unique, and it's such a great part of Australian sport. And it's so revered around the world that Mount Panorama is just one of the all-time great racetracks anywhere on earth. Um, but by God, it tested a lot of people across the weekend. And it's an iconic event, Tim. Um, and it's and it's got and you're right. It's it's on my bucket list. And I'm not I'm not a massive motorsport guy, but I I love everything that this event is and stands for and the history of it. And uh, I'm with you. It's it's it, it's right up there. If you if you haven't been to a Melbourne Cup or an AFL Grand Final or a State of Origin match or you know everyone will have their list, but this certainly has to be considered up in that echelon. Now I'm curious. We all know that in the lead-up to Bathurst, uh, whether the fences have already been put up or even beforehand, that people, uh, the more astute and seasoned campers, head up to the mountain where the campsite is and bury uh, different things that they might need because there are restrictions on what you can bring into the the race course with you. Um, So people go up there and have done for years, Tim, that these are the old stories that you hear each and every year, that they go and bury some extra beers up there. I would imagine the rain had a few people quite nervous. Did we unearth anything? Uh, did, did, did the oh, downpour unearth things, just <laughs> gifts coming uh, up from the were, earth? Uh, bottles of Bundy and Jim Beam were just flo- <laughs> floating away. It, it, um, yeah, it is an experience. To, uh, I mean, we're, we're lucky, Sam, that we, we work in footy and we go to the MCG every week. And it still yep. takes your breath away every time you walk into the Melbourne Cricket Ground. I, I tell you what, Mount Panorama is exactly the same. The mystique of that joint. Uh, when you drive down or you drive into Bathurst and you see the mountain and the Mount Panorama sign, you say, God, I've grown up loving this thing on television and, and here we are and, and there it is. And then you you actually get to the bottom of the racetrack where Pit Lane is and then you look up and it's like, holy cow, that is a mountain that they actually race up and over 161 times. And it's ridiculously steep going up and then coming down. It's I mean, it's the closest thing you could get to a roller coaster. And the drivers who drive on it, you know, that's why the, the Aussie guys in the Supercar Series are so lucky to have this as part of their championship. And, and, you know, drivers have come from all around the world and they still go back and they still talk about Mount Panorama like it's out of control. So it, it's awesome to, you know, it's awesome to go up to Bathurst and actually drive around it at any during the during the year. And they're all public roads, so you can do a full lap yeah. of, of the racetrack. Um, you have to be very careful because there are... There are police cameras all over the joint, especially going down Conrod Strait, where you get a bit um, a bit frisky on the on the accelerator. 
Um, but yeah, just a, we're lucky to have it in Australia, and it's you know I, I think it's as good as sporty sporting theatre that anything anything you see throughout the year in Australian sport, and that's the beauty of the Bathurst One Thousand. It's the ultimate sheep stations because it's the biggest prize in Australian motorsport, and that's what you saw yesterday. That you know the carnage at the start. The, the drama that it throws up, uh, then the pulsating, you know, last stint, the last 30 laps were captivating. Um, there's nothing better on, on the television coverage than those chopper shots going over the mountain where they were the top six were two seconds apart. Um, and it, there was the best six drivers in the country, you know, Shane Van Gisbergen leading Chaz Mostert, leading Brody Kostecki, leading Cam Waters, leading Brock Feeney. Like, it was, it was awesome and captivating and, um, and another great addition of the great race. Uh, beautifully said. I'm, I'm looking at a tweet of yours. We're speaking to Tim Hodges, uh, motor racing aficionado, wrote the book, as I said, literally on Scott McLaughlin Road to Redemption. Um, your tweet, the best driver in the sport, the best co-driver in the sport, the best team in the sport, was always going to be a battle for anyone on the mountain to beat car 97. Um, we, you, you were pretty confident going in that it was going to be Van Gisbergen and Tanda. Um, and everyone else was fighting it out for second and third? Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy to say because Bathurst is a marathon. Like, it's 1,000 kilometres. Mm. It's 161 laps around the place. Anything can go wrong in the race car, in the race driver, with the team, with, the, you know, the stops. You know, you're stopping over seven times. So it, it's hard to say that anyone's a lock to win the thing, but just the form that Shane Van Gisbergen is in here is um, rewriting the record books like... It can be a bit boring, the same guy winning all the time. And, and, and I will say it has been a little bit dull this year's Supercar Championship because Shane Van Gisbergen is simply so much better than the rest of the field at the moment. He's in the best form of his life. He's got the best car. He's got the best team. He's got the best crew doing the best pit stops, calling the best strategy. And then, yeah, you throw into the mix over the weekend. Garth Tander, a four-time Bathurst winner, a legend of the place who has just gone and won a fifth time and he's become an immortal. Like, that's, um, mm. that's, what the, the, that's what the rest of the field had to be. I, I mean, it was game on early on, but, you know, that's the beauty of when co- other co-drivers are in the car, you sort of hold your breath and think, God, can these guys actually match it with the guys around them, let alone be up the front, let alone keep the car in four pieces, in, in, with four, four corners on it. And plenty couldn't do that. You know, a lot of the co-drivers who started the race been the thing in those first in the first hairy 90 minutes of the race yesterday but then Garth Sander brings it back you know absolutely in cherry ripe position and hands over to the best driver in the field and it's like good luck catching this bloke uh, the beauty of the race yesterday there were, there were so many you know eight safety car periods in all which bunched the field up again and perfectly bunched the field up for the last stint where it was it was game on but still Shandang Gisberg and they just couldn't catch him everything everything they tried to throw at him he um he was just too good for them, as he has been all year. 19 race wins. Like, it's just phenomenal. In one year, that's how many he's um, checkered flags he's taken. And there's still four races to go in the championship. So he'll wrap up the championship, uh, another championship for Van Giersbergen at the next round on the streets of the Gold Coast. I'm certain of that because it's a place that he loves and has an unbelievably good record at. It's great to have the Gold Coast back, by the way, that after the COVID-enforced couple of years where yeah. we haven't had that street race, it's back in um, uh, Derby weekend. Um, so it's a little later than the normal, but um, awesome to see Surface Paradise supercars back. Um, and that's where I expect Shane Gisbergen will wrap up the championship. Uh, we're wrapping up Bathurst, uh, a very special uh, and emotional Bathurst with Tim Hodges. 
Hodgie, um, the the farewell to Holden. How big a part and how um, big an influence did it have on the mood and 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 the emotion and the fact that they got uh, another win in their final ever Bathurst? We're not going to see it as Holden in its incarnation uh, ever again. Was that hanging over the heads of, of everybody there? What what part did it play in the weekend for yours? Uh, they had plenty of um, displays and uh, I don't know whether commemoration is the right word, but but lots of the old Holdens, the, the old Commodores, the old Tiranas running around the racetrack uh, just to pay tribute to what Holden has done for the event. And, and it's the most winningest manufacturer in the Bathurst 1000 history by mm. a mile. Yeah. And one and one again yesterday. Um, so it, it was it's sad in some respects, but it's just an evolution of the sport that that Chevrolet will, will take over from Holden's next year. They'll, the Holden field, uh, the Holden cars and Holden teams will be running Chevys. So, uh, I mean, Chevy is what owns Holden from America. So that's, it's just a change of the sport. I mean, unfortunate that the Commodores have died. Holden is dying in this country. They'll be replaced by Chevy. So it still will be Holden red, the Chevrolet red versus the Ford blue. The, you know, it's the DNA of the sport that will continue in much the same fashion. And these new Gen 3 supercars that start in 2023, round one of the season next year on the streets of Newcastle, which is great to welcome that event back as well after COVID. Um, they will be, it will be the sexiest motorsport series on earth with these new Gen 3 supercars. They've done such a good job. They've spent so much bloody money and it's, they're overpriced and they're a bit later and it's probably through COVID that they're, a couple of years later than what they first anticipated, but when they hit the track, it, it will um, it will be awesome. And come Bathurst next year, after a year of running these cars, it will be some sort of show that they put on. So, yeah, it's just motorsport changes, and this is just another another evolution of that. So, yeah, I, I know a lot of people were particularly sad. I mean, and again, like we're in footy that. Supercar fans love their teams as much as yeah. AFL fans love their team. So, in some respects, it was like. And Holden is like your, your Collingwood or, your, you know, it's the biggest team there. So yeah. uh, it is in some ways the, the last time that they race. But, you know, all of those drivers, all of those Holden teams will be in Chevys when, when the uh, sport continues next year. Tim, thanks so much for jumping on and, and recapping what was um, a historic Bathurst for, for so many reasons in really trying and tough conditions. Mate, uh, we really appreciate it and we'll speak to you again soon. Yeah, anytime, Sam. Yeah, and you even look at the TV ratings. Like, it's great that, you know, motorsport nuffies like myself loves Bathurst weekend, but I think the general Aussie sporting fan, you know, most of your listeners all tune in for, for that one day that the ratings were astronomical yesterday, which is great to see. Brilliant. Hodgie, we'll speak to you very soon. See you, mate. Uh, Tim Hodges there, a racing aficionado, motorsport uh, guru, and uh, he did, as I said, write the book on Scott McLaughlin. It's uh, called Road to Redemption. Great to have Tim on. Hey, on the other side of this, uh, producer Lincoln, who uh, made his um, on-air debut to uh, great praise uh, and fanfare the other week, he's going to come in. He took it upon himself to head down to the AFL Draft Combine and have a chat to a couple of participants thereof. So we're going to hear first words, really, from um, three players who could be stars of the future. So we'll find out who we had a chat to on the other side of this to finish up the Sporting Capital on SEN. Uh, the undefeated 2-0 Cairns Taipans taking on the undefeated 2-0 Perth Wildcats in the NBL tonight to round out 
round to close out round two. Uh, 11-18, Perth leading by seven points at the Snake Pit in Cairns. Uh, Producer Lincoln, hello, mate. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, that's a, such good manners. That shows good uh, good upbringing. Um, now, what did you get up to on the weekend, please? I was lucky enough to get along down to the AFL Draft Combine. The... Are you uh, looking to be drafted? Um, no, I, I missed my opportunity when I didn't get even close a couple of years ago, so <laughs> I've given up in that regard. Sure. Um, no, but I had my little brother lucky enough to get invited to go down, so I wanted um, to go down and say day. so I was lucky enough to get the opportunity. So you've gone down there and you, you text me over the weekend, you said, I've gone down to the Combine, I've got some interviews, uh, and, we're gonna, and, and if, you, if I'm allowed to, can we play them on the Sporting Capital on Monday? And I said, absolutely. So tell me, who, who have we got? Yes, I did my best roaming Lincoln impression, I guess you could say. So I've got... The winner of the 20-metre sprint, Edward Allen. Got... <laughs> Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Any relation? Uh, yes, he is my, he's my younger brother. I can't call him my little brother because he's not very little. Um, so... He's got 195. So... so one out of the three is a family member. Yes, and then I've got the new record holder of the agility test, Darcy Jones. Yep. And then I've got Elijah Shield as well, who um, he placed in the agility test. He ran well on the... He said in the interview later on he did well on the 2K or he's happy with it. And he had a great year. Where are all these? Yeah, obviously, your brother's uh, from Perth like you are. Where are the other two from? So the other two are also from Perth. I've got two Swan <laughs> Districts boys and one Claremont boy. All right. So there's a theme developing here. But that's good. So this is uh, we're going to play these out. Uh, these are Producer Lincoln's chats with three up-and-coming stars that could find their way to your footy club at the AFL uh, Draft Combine. I'm down here with Ed Allen at the Draft Combine. Ed, firstly, congratulations on your year and your weekend, mate. How did you find, the, firstly, the year coming in and then to come in over to Melbourne and do pretty well in the, in the Combine? Um, yeah, I was pretty happy with my year. Um, obviously, I had a stress fracture earlier in the year, so it was a bit disappointing to miss the first half, but um, I thought I was able to come back and impact fairly quickly, so I was happy with how I went um, in my limited games I played. Um, and, yeah, I was happy I went in the Combine. Um, I was thereabouts my 2K, so... Um, yeah, I was fairly happy. Tell us about the 20-metre sprint, mate. You obviously topped the leaderboard today and you're around the top five, six of all time. How'd that come about? Oh, yeah, I don't, don't know the strategy to it. Um, I ran it I ran it not as good as that earlier in the week um, in WA, so it was a bit surprising. Um, but, yeah, obviously, just, it's just a 20-metre sprint, so just went out there, let it rip, and um, got a good time, so I was happy with that. So majority of the stuff's all out of your hands now. you just got to leave it to the clubs. How does the next month or so look for you leading into the draft? Um, pretty quiet. Um, might head head up to Exmouth for for a couple of days. Um, but yeah, pretty quiet. Um, just pretty much waiting to see how we go. So yeah, we'll be curious to see. Um, down here with Elijah Hewitt. Elijah, firstly, well done on your year, mate. How do you how do you find the year? And then firstly, coming into the combine over the weekend. Yeah, no, it's been a it's been a great um, year of growth. I mean. Your, your draft is kind of one of those years that you, you learn so much and you try and, um, you know, capitalise on a lot of the work in the pre-season. Fortunately, I kind of came through a couple of barriers with COVID and, and some other things, but, you know, I think it was more the matter of getting over them and, and persevering and getting through the year. So, you know, I learned so much and hopefully it's put me on, you know, the front foot for the next couple of years. Senior footy, mate, back home in, uh, for Swan Districts. How do you find that progression going through from your junior ranks to playing seniors? And then how's that going to go for you next year to AFL footy, hopefully? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it's uh, it's definitely a step above 
clear cut above all the other competitions I've played. Um, just the spread from the contest and the physicality. So, yeah, it's put me in good stead kind of coming back to the under-18s level. Um, and, and I definitely would, would like to think it's put me in good stead for the next couple of years. Um, you know, it's, it's a little bit short, or probably a decent way short of AFL standards, but we've got a lot of post-ex-AFL players that have um, been delisted or come back post-career to, to come play with Swan. So, um, you know, I've learned a lot from them and been able to absorb as, absorb as much as I can. The Combine, happy with your testing? Yeah, no, really happy. Like, I mean, um, pre the 2K, we had all our agility running and stuff, and I, you know, hit a lot of the um, goals I was going for, just to sub the three and the 20, and then to do well in the agility. I did all that well, and I came here wanting to get a, um, get a low 620s in the 2K, and went 628, which I'm not, um, yeah, not devastated by. I'm, I'm pretty stoked to just get over and done with, and um, yeah, try and give my legs a break after a long season. To be honest. Just lastly, mate, how's the next month or so look for you? A little bit of a break after a long year. Yeah, look, I'll probably give myself a week and a half, maybe two weeks break, um, and then get back into it. Not not full steam ahead straight away, but, you know, start to pick up the gym and go into more of a building phase right now, which will, yeah, get my, my body up to the standard, and then slowly um, probably, I'll probably start off with a bit more boxing, um, off-legs, aerobic training, then start to get into my running, and then obviously it'll be really intense come come draft time because, you know, you get drafted, you picked up, and you head straight to a club, and, and you're straight into it. So I'll try and get a good fitness base before I start that, and... Um, yeah, it's a, it will be a good next couple couple weeks off, but then I'm really, really, really um, excited to, to see what happens. I'm here with Darcy Jones, who now holds the record for the agility test at the AFL Draft Combine. Darcy, you said over the weekend that you look up to Brad Hill as a player. How does it feel breaking his brother's 14-year record? Yeah, it's actually it's quite funny that. Um, I, was, I was actually only thinking that um, after I got the record um, that I... Um, kind of see myself as a Brad Hill and it's funny that I just broke his brother's record but um, yeah no it's awesome and um, something I won't forget uh, Given you've now have the record for this test talk us through how you utilise agility as a strength throughout when you're actually playing the game Yeah well yeah obviously um, the way I play my kind of playing style I um, use my speed and agility that's probably my biggest strength so um, I use that sort of stuff just to get out of congestion um, and, yeah, get away with the football. So, yeah. Darcy, we spoke to Elijah Hewitt just moments ago, who you've obviously played quite a bit of footy with back home for Swan Districts at a number of levels. How have you found the level of playing with former AFL players um, in league footy this year back home? Yeah, no, nah, it's awesome. Um, no, nah, the boys are real good um, in the league side of Swans. Even Razzies, they are, yeah, a good bunch of boys. They all um, kind of took me under their wing, I guess you could say. And, uh, yeah, all kind of treated me as players that had been there for ages, not just a, like, kind of, like a Colts player just coming up. So, um, yeah, no, it was good. Now, has it been satisfying this year, proving people wrong? Because it seems every grade you've played in, you've played consistent footy, whether that's for WA at the championships where you were really good and then going through to the State League footy and then over at the Combine doing well. Yeah. Um, oh, growing up and stuff, like, um, I've always been, like, the smallest, smaller kind of player and um, you get kind of get told a lot that um, it's quite hard to um, kind of make it to the big leagues being a smaller kind of player because you kind of got to have um, just kind of elite um, elite attributes that make up for the size. Um, but, yeah, no, nah, it's um, it's quite satisfying. But, um, yeah, just got to keep playing, try and play good footy, so...
Oh, brilliantly done. Producer Lincoln down at the AFL Draft Combine. Who were those players again, please? So we had Ed Allen was the first uh, voice you Your heard. Your brother, yep. We had Elijah Stewart yes. and Darcy Jones, who both played some league footy back home for Swan Districts. And now the agility uh, record holder, the agility test record holder, beat a 14-year record, as you said there. Beautiful. Research was done well, nice questions, got good answers, a Perfectly done, mate. You did a great job. Hey, give us your prediction now. Where's your brother going to get drafted? <laughs> give, me the, give me the number. Jeez, I am the most, I am out of the loop the most out of all the family. I'll, I'll say Frio with pick 44. Frio with pick 44. <laughs> you heard it here first. Great job, mate. Uh, that you, was brilliant. Uh, great access to the, NBA, uh, the, AFL, dra- NBA, the AFL draft combine. Um, thank you for all your calls, too, coming on the, uh, the Harcourt's open line and for all your texts, too, on the 40 Winks Temper text. A couple of other hero nominations. Um, Maddie Prasparkas, James Mundura for her 37 disposals. Maureen Fitzroy wants to nominate Steph Kiochi, 50 games, the inaugural captain of the Pies. She's been brilliant. A couple more villain nominations for Peter Hanscom, thinking that he denied Henry Hunt the century. Um, appreciate all of those texts that have come through. Oh, by the way, oh, that's it. We're out of time. BP up next. First serve. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.